I'm going to have to go back and change my sermon. <laughs> I got a pansy sermon. <laughs> <laughs> well, after the Klingon thing, I'm, we're going to have deliverance, brother, for you. <laughs> I never could... I never could understand all this Star Trek, trying to keep up. It, it's like all of these Lord of the Rings. All, I, I couldn't keep up with it. I, it. Just too many people, too many people, too many people, too many names. Names I had to do word study on to be able to pronounce. That's just me. Give me like some simple movie like something simple. Called, movie called Simple. There we go. That's just me and how I operate. But at the end of the day, I have some exciting news to share this morning. We're going to have a baptism after church today. We are going to go to Finley Bend. Yeah, that's right. You heard me. Finley Bend, Matson Park. We're going to get in the ice cold river and we're going to baptize an amazing young lady. I won't embarrass her this morning, put her on the spot until we get to the river. But I'm telling you, after Maddie spoke last week, oh, something just stirred. And uh, this young lady was brought to me and said that she wants to be baptized. And I'm thinking, and I, I, I told her, I said, you know, there is no warm water here. To, we don't have a big baptismal tub that we heat. We go to the river, and she's like, I'm all in. <laughs> so I'm pretty confident this is really going to stick. So if you're up for it, you can drive to Finley Bend, probably around 1230, we'll meet there after church, and it's off of Gunnell Road, Lower River Road to Gunnell Road, Matson Park, Finley Bend. If you need to Google it or something, find it on your map, we'll make a little train and get there, but you're welcome to stay in your cars as the rain falls, but some of us are going to the river, amen? And if anyone else wants to be baptized, this would be a moment, you will not forget it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew, chapter 1. We're just going to hover here for a little bit. You know, like Steve Shaw used to say, he said, I left the church calendar years ago. And, and I agree with that to, to a lot of points. There's a lot of good points in that. But there's something about this time of year that, like I shared last week, where people seem to be open more to what spiritual things are going on around us. And, and you walk through the stores, and you, 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 you heard me last week, I love to hum, I love to sing, and, and just something about this moment. Now, in all clarity, I, I, I really believe that Jesus was not born on December 25th. But the point is, is we, we celebrate the birth of Christ on that moment. Some people drift off into a lot of other stuff. I don't go there. We celebrate the birth of Christ in our home. And I want to I kind of do, I, I'll call it an Advent series, but I want to speak about a few things as we lead up to Christmas that I think are important. Is that okay? Yeah. And to me, the, probably one of the most beautiful things for me about the Christmas story is how God, Jesus, was incarnated in human flesh. That Jesus became a man, and he became one of us. That's where we get the name Emmanuel, God with us. So the birth of Jesus means that God is not distant. God is not something out there floating around in the universe, although God is everywhere, God is here with us. He is in us. He is through us. He is around us. How many understand that? God is with us. Emmanuel literally means God with us. So we're not alone. We're not alone in this reality that God is with us. And if you can get your head and heart around that, it changes everything. But when you think about the word Emmanuel, we hear a lot about Emmanuel. You'll see it painted. We left the bank the other day, Friday, and on on one of the office buildings, Emmanuel was painted. Do people even know what that means? Or do they just think, oh, it's Christmas, Emmanuel. Now, some of us do know what that means and what that name means, but do you know what it really means? Do you know the history of that word, where that came from? 
And that's what we're going to do, just a quick dive this morning, and then I want to get to a point that I think is so important for us to understand about the future. The word Emmanuel appears four times in the Word of God in the Bible, three times in the Old Testament and only once in the New Testament. Emmanuel. The word, I wrote here, the word Emmanuel is first found in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Now, there's some context where we're going to go in in just a moment about this, but the, here's the saying. There, the, the prophet Isaiah is saying, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. So the second and third place in the Old Testament Emmanuel is mentioned is in same book, Isaiah, chapter 8, uh, verses 8 and 10, I believe. Then it's gone. It's gone for years. And then it reemerges in the New Testament. But only once will we find the word Emmanuel. So let's read. Where we, where we find it is in Matthew's narrative. Uh, of the birth of Jesus, and I'm going to start in verse 18 and read through 23. Chapter 1, Matthew, 18 through 23. This is how, and this is Matthew. He is giving this narrative of the birth of Christ. He says, this is how the birth of Christ, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now, I know a lot of us know the story, but let's, let's go over it again. He says, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. That in itself is a mind blower. But Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, and he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. It, this Joseph, son of David, it's important to remember this. There's something happening here in the line of David, in the tribe of Judah. Okay? Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine what Joseph was going through at this moment? What, you're, you're pregnant? We're not even, what's going on here, Mary? You, we're, to the point where he quietly thought, you know what, I'll send her the letter and she can go on her way. I'll do her. Is these batteries checking out? No. So, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, pay close attention to Isaiah 22 and 23. I'm sorry, verses 22, 23, because this really reflects back to the book of Isaiah. That's what Matthew is referring to here. So Matthew's really citing Isaiah here, and Matthew says that it was the birth of Jesus by the Virgin Mary that was to Listen, and this took place to fulfill. So Matthew was saying this all happened to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the prophet Isaiah. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Matthew is telling his readers that the birth of Jesus fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah, and then goes on to explain what the word Emmanuel really means, God with us. So let's go a little deeper. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Something, something's happening here. And keep in mind, the tribe of Judah, the line of David, all the way to Joseph that leads us to Jesus, Okay? Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. This again is the first place the word appears, Emmanuel, in the word of God. And here the Lord speaks through Isaiah the prophet to Ahaz, who was the king of Judah. 
And at this time in Israel's history, there was some stuff going on. The land between the north and the south, was inc- the kingdoms were incredibly divided. You had the northern kingdom of Israel, and you had the southern kingdom, Judah. They were miles apart. They were not in a good place with each other. And Ahaz, who was the king of Judah at that time, he was worried because the northern forces in Israel had joined up with the Syrian forces, and he was afraid that they were going to come, overrun him, take him and his people, and destroy them all. And God tells him through the prophet Isaiah, it shall not stand, it shall not come to pass. That's That's in chapter 7, verse 7, back up a little bit. But Ahaz does not believe the word of the Lord. He does not. And so God gives him a sign. And this sign, is, it, it, this sign has become that popular Christmas Bible verse that we hear a lot this time of year. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call him his name, Emmanuel. Have I lost anybody yet? Okay. So this sign that God gave through the prophet Isaiah to King Ahaz was to demonstrate that God was with his people. And, and, and he was with the line of David and that his word would be kept in spite of their unbelief. It was a promise. God saying through the prophet Isaiah, Ahaz, I will be with you. I will be with you, Emmanuel, God is with us. That whole community, that whole tribe of Judah could walk around saying, God is with us. Now, a name hadn't been attached to it or a face or a person. All we know is that God was saying to to the Old Testament folks that I am with you. So back in Matthew 123, Matthew draws from Isaiah's prophecy, and and I wrote here, the prophecy served its purpose in Isaiah's day, but Matthew saw it in a fuller purpose, which was to point to the coming Messiah who would come and be conceived by a virgin. In other words, Matthew's saying, this is that. This is the one. This is the man. This is the face of the one who the prophet Isaiah foretold of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. He's the one. The prophecy in Isaiah 14 really is directed at the house of David, and it's a prophecy, yes, of a child to be born. But it prepares the audience for the prophecy later in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Turn there with, you, with me if you would. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. This is so powerful. <clears throat> Isaiah 9, 6 and 7. 6 through 7. There we go. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Does this sound familiar? Okay. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful. He will be called Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And then it goes on to say, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Holy moly. Can you say amen? amen. Can I get an amen? amen. That, that helps. That helps. <laughs> Think about this. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And then look at these multiple and still more extravagant titles that are placed upon him. That he is called the wonderful counselor. That he is called the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, when you think about this, this passage in Isaiah really invites a fuller interpretation. 
And this is what Matthew's giving in Matthew's account of the birth of Christ. Birth of Christ. In Isaiah, the name Emmanuel and its surrounding context really speak of, and you guys have heard this preached here before, the dawn of a promised golden age where the judgment of the wicked will happen and the blessing of righteousness will be upon those who believe. Right? It's a coming thing. It's a coming event. This was the ultimate sense in which God's presence was to be manifested in Israel. They had a hope. Boom. God laid a hope. I am with you, and someday this is going to happen. It's coming. And Matthew's saying, it's here and it's now, and I want to tell you the story. And that's what he did. So in the book of Matthew, we see then that the name is applied to who? To Jesus. Again, guys, Jesus is what the prophet Isaiah was talking about. Now we have a name. Now we have a face. Now we have a person. And what this means is that this promise of blessing of, from God is being with his people. In other words, God with us. He's literally here now. That's what Matthew's saying. Jesus is here, and he's now. He's walking around us. He's among us. He is with us. And then Matthew goes on to say how Jesus fulfills the prophecy because he is the one who will save people from their sins. So this entire theme of God with us continues through Matthew until the very end of the book where it culminates in the Great Commission where God says, Jesus says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God is with us. God is with us. And Matthew's saying, I, not to reiterate, but I need to make this point. God is saying, He is here, and He is now. He is present. He is with us, and He is the wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He is here, and He is with us. So some people ask, you know, why is the name Emmanuel so important? Well, the name Emmanuel points to this prevalent biblical theme of God's presence with his people. The idea of God with us is the embodiment of all of God's promises to Israel and to all who will trust in him. It started hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And now it's to us as well. It continued through the line of David, tribe of Judah, line of David, Jesus, all the way to us. Are we not adopted in? Are we not grafted in? Are we not part of the family of God? Then God is with us. It's a game changer. I wrote here, through sacrifice and mercy, God makes a way to be with his people. Whether it's in the Old Testament or the New Testament or the church today, God is with us. And all of this leads up to this final act that God will do and speaks of in the book of Revelation. Revelation 21.3, you might turn there and mark this because this is powerful. Revelation 21, verse 3. Said, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. That is a powerful verse. Everything in the history of time, everything points to this one moment when God comes. And in the form of Jesus, he's Emmanuel, he's God with us. And then it goes on to say in Revelation, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. So God is not distant. God is not up there on some rock somewhere. God is not in, in some plane that we cannot see. He is here with us. So as we move into the future, we need to grab onto that with both hands. Hang on to that tight. God with us. When the winds of adversity are blowing through your life and, and things are going crazy and sideways and you're sliding on your ear for 100 yards, you have to remember, let this be written on your heart that God with us, He is here. 
with us. So I wrote, Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of this theme, God with us, both in his identification with humanity by becoming a man and by his death on the cross. So in a sense, the word Emmanuel truly does embody the meaning of Christmas. Not only, hear me, not only has God given us the gift of Emmanuel, God with us, but do you know what God coupled with that? The gift of others. What? What? Others are a gift? What? There was a time in the history where we talked a lot about being transparent. We still hear that today. We got to be transparent with each other. But it's like we walk around in these baggies. You can see me, but the moment you mess with that tie-tie to touch me, game on. Not a good thing. If God is with us and He's given us others, what does that look like? God's intention all along has been for people to be in a right relationship with God and with others. We've heard this for years and we know that, I think. I put within the incarnation moment, God was making a way for humanity to unite around the Savior and the person of Jesus. Jesus... And the birth of Jesus drew not only Mary and Joseph, but it drew the shepherds, it drew the Magi, and it drew various onlookers on that silent night to one moment. And Jesus is drawing all of us back to an authentic, loving community. Right now, when there's being grenades dropped all over the country, even within the church, in different arenas and different things, it's like trying to blow people apart. Let's, let's, let's get these relations because together we are stronger. Amen. But when the enemy comes in and divides us and we take the bait, it blows us apart. And here's one of the things I'm seeing on the horizon is that last year, all throughout the year, we had people who were seeking uh, are chasing after predictions about what's going to happen in the future. What, is, what are the prophets saying? And I'm not anti-prophet. But I think there's a lot of pro false prophets out there today. And I've really dialed that gauge down a little bit because I just want to hear what Jesus is saying. And I think, I think if we could just take a moment going into this new season and really stop and not be so concerned about what will happen, instead, let's go after God and let's make something happen together as a community. Can I get an Amen. And I think we need each other to do this. God with us is not singular. God with us is plural, meaning more than one. So God was with them in the Old Testament, and God was with them in the early days of the New Testament, and God is with us here today. And God is drawing us all back to this place of community. And, and I really, I, I, I came up with this this illustration that I think really illustrates and shows you how humanity's need for community can be seen by how Mary needed an encouraging presence of her aunt and uncle, Elizabeth and Zachariah, in a moment when she was at total full-on distress. So turn with me to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to read 26 through 45. I love this. This is a powerful illustration of how much we need each other. I'm telling you, in Christianity, there is no Lone Rangers. And when people take their football and go home and they're unwilling to work through and dig down and, uh, and just take their football and go home, nobody wins. There is no Lone Rangers. It is God with us, not just God with you. Now, hear me. There is a moment you pull away. And you, you, even Jesus did that. You pull away and, and you draw into God. But the reason we're doing that is to get our batteries recharged and to get re-energized to go back into working with one another. It's not easy working with one another. But that's what God has called us to do. So, Luke 
chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now, we don't know if that angel went and just appeared or knocked on the door. Hello, are you married? Yeah, I've got a word for you. We don't know how that went down. But Mary was greatly troubled at the words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Is this a trick? But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, when Mary came to... (laughs) Can you imagine? Can you imagine? We just read this, but can you imagine that moment? God shows up, bam, bam, bam. Angel standing there. Hey, Mary, by the way, got a word for you. You're going to have a son. He's going to save the world. And he's going to rule forever and ever. Mary's probably leaning out the door going, do you have the right address? I mean, I'm talking to little old me, Mary. How will this be? It's a good question. Are you kidding me, angel? How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. You can only imagine what's going through Mary's head at this moment. It must have been spinning with incredible intensity, like just still trying to take in the first, hi, Mary, moment. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And, and she who said, and, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. You guys know the story of Elizabeth? She was way up there in years, but God blessed her and she became pregnant. It was a miraculous moment. For no word from God will ever fail. Amen. That is a powerful powerful word. For no word from God will ever fail. Think about that for a moment. When God said, I am with you, he is with you. When God says, God with us, I am with you, he is with us. Don't ever forget that. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. And I think this is at the point where Mary had this epiphany. Oh, my goodness. I I, I need someone to talk to. So what did she do? It says, at that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. Now, look at the dynamics going on here. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Boom! Mary came to get help. Mary came to talk to somebody, and in the process, that somebody, her cousin, or her aunt, excuse me, got blessed by the Spirit of God. So here's this divine moment coming together. When Elizabeth, again, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Wow, what a moment of encouragement. Unbelievable. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Mary's still questioning, what's going on here, Elizabeth? Will you help me with this? I'm trying to figure this out. This is crazy. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. 
just this, I could play this over and over again in my mind. What a moment. What an incredible moment. To me, it's so interesting that just after the angel visits Mary and he gives her this incredible news that she was going to give birth to the Savior of the world, Mary felt compelled to go and to visit her aunt and uncle. Maybe it was, you know, and these are assumptions, but maybe it was because Mary needed comfort and Mary needed encouragement from someone who who else was experiencing something miraculous. I don't know. But that's what it seems to imply. Oh my gosh, the angel just spoke to me. My aunt, she's going through the same thing. Perhaps the angelic news was too much for Mary to bear on her own. But the point is, Mary needed community. Mary needed the gift of others at that moment. And she ran for it with all of her heart. I think Mary and Elizabeth show us too. Let's get practical for a moment. Mary and Elizabeth show us really two incredibly unique ways I wrote to practice authentic community with others. One, when, when, when a need arises, we need to take the initiative and yes, talk to God, but we also should not be afraid to go and to talk to someone else about it. There are moments that honestly, as a pastor, are you kidding me? The stuff that comes my way, and I'm not crying, I'm not a crybaby, that comes my way, sometimes I just need a sounding board to help sort it out. I don't mention names and people, I just, you know, situation, and, and, and I talk to just a very few people that I need help processing through some of this. I can't do this by myself, I'd be arrogant to think that. I need you guys. God has given us each other to navigate the waters that we're in right now and the waters that are coming. I'll be the first to tell you, and I'm not a doom and gloom guy because I've read the end of the book and, and, and we do win. Jesus has already won the victory for us, but we still have to go through this rough section of Hell's Gate Canyon, man. Woo! Buckle up and hang on. But we need each other to do it. We need each other the second thing is, is when someone shares a need, someone comes to you and you can tell that their heart is broken, as part of that community, you should be someone who will listen. You should be someone who will bring some kind of spiritual encouragement to that person. Not just, yeah, I so agree with you. I totally agree with you. Boy, that person is such a knucklehead. My, I just, they don't need that. They need an honesty. They need a someone to come in and say, you know, maybe you should look at it this way. Have you considered that? And, and don't go running around looking for the one that you think will agree with you. That's not very healthy. But find someone who's honest and square and fair and just say, man, I'm struggling with this issue in my heart. And what say ye? And listen to what the spiritual advice is that comes your way. I, 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 just, think, I, I just think it's a great illustration how Elizabeth greeted and she blessed Mary with spiritual encouragement. She didn't say, ah, so what? Get a life. Move on. Here, pass the pizza, will you? She didn't do that. She stopped and she said, hey, here's the deal. God loves you and you are so favored. He fed into what God had spoken into her life. So God has created, I think, this incredible community and 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 he wants to be in the center of our relationships. If we're being made or have been made in the image of God, I think we have been given this incredible gift of one another. I think community was God's idea from the very beginning. If you look in Genesis chapter 2, it says, let us make man in our likeness. Let us make man in our likeness. You, you see in this Genesis, actually, I wrote it, chapter 2, verses 18 through 24. If you read the whole thing, I'm not going to, but you see the plural identity of God where he says, let us make man in our own likeness. I think this is our first picture, our first glimpse of the Trinity. You have the Father, you have the Son, and you have the Holy Spirit, and they are always flowing in perfect community and harmony together. And I think God created us to join into that community. And, and it's like as, as if out of that imagery of community, humanity was created with the intention of flowing and moving together. 
Now, we know the big dilemma, the big moment, the big bang, whatever you want to call it. Sin came in and blew that community apart. But God, from the very beginning and all along, has been wanting to restore us to that place again. God is with us, plural. We're not alone in this. We're uniquely created to work together. And the solution that God brought to this whole big dilemma was God sent His Son. And He sent His Son to save people. And He sent His Son to restore relationships and community. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says just that. It says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Every one of you play a part in God's community. Every one of you. We're not alone in this again. I can't overemphasize that enough. And I think God has created a place, God has created a space for us to be able to work through life. And that's with each other. Community matters to God. Everyone flourishes, I believe, with all my heart when we make time for our relationships, not only with God, but with others as well. With others as well, I should say. We need each other. I need you, and you need me, and we all need Jesus, right? And together, we're so much stronger. I wrote here, we will do our best and be our best in community with God and with his people. Just kind of a couple finishing notes. An authentic relationship with God and his people awaits us through the grace made possible by Jesus. Why? Because of Emmanuel. God is with us. Now, I'm just going to throw it out there because I would be letting you down if I didn't give the opportunity, but I want you to ponder this for a moment. Are, are there any relationships in your life that need to be repaired? That need to be repaired so that you can experience a deeper level of transformation that comes from walking in unity. Now, that could be with a son, a daughter, a friend, a coworker, whatever. I can feel it in the room. You know that you know there's something that you need to make right. And like Smokey Bear says, only you can prevent forest fires. Give them a call. Reach out to them. Write them an email. But you know, Pastor, I've tried. They just don't talk to me. That's okay. Do your part. Do your part. Extend the olive branch. Be the one. Be the one that humbly serves this relationship into a healthier place. Barb sent me a scripture the other day. It was so good. Hebrews 10, 25. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's stand. Relationships are hard. Relationships are tough. But God is with us. He is the great repairer of the breach. And, and as we move into this coming year, I, I honestly believe it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be tough. You have to put your seatbelt on and keep your hands inside the ride at all times. I learned that once. <laughs> just, just kidding. But it's true. Hang on. But I'll tell you, when we have each other to hang on to, it's so much better. So I really want to encourage you to go and make those accounts right. Do what you need to do to serve that relationship into a healthier place. And if they don't receive from you, I'm telling you, if you release your heart with full faith that God's going to do what God does best, and God is the best at cleaning up messes, we don't need to keep going around trying to clean up the mess. God does it the best. And we go to them, we say, here it is, and they say, still, I can't, I don't want to, whatever. 
You've done your part. Let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit does best, and the Holy Spirit will clean up that mess. It may take time, but it will happen. So, Father, I just thank you for this moment. Father, we thank you for your gift to us, Emmanuel, God with us. Father, help us to understand what that really means, that all throughout time, God, from the days of old, you were with your people, and you're still with us today, and then you brought Jesus into this, a name and a face that we can attach everything to. And Jesus, we're just grateful that you are here with us too as well, that your Holy Spirit is with us here as well. We're so grateful, God, so thankful. So Father, I just pray that as we move forward in the weeks to come, that we will really take stock of where we're at in our relationships with others. And Father, I just ask that if there's people in our heart or mind that we've broke something with there, that Father, we would do whatever we can to make that right, at least on our end, God, and trust that you will do what you do best, and that is heal the rest. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Mm. Some of you have been really wounded by things that were spoken, things that were said in past relationships that really caused a wedge. I'm just asking you right now, just give it to Jesus. Just, just, just in a symbolic way, just give it to Jesus. Just give it to him. If God is with us, God was with you when some of those things were said, and that was not his heart. So know that. That wasn't God's heart. God is good, devil bad. God good, devil bad. Don't lose track of that. I, I really feel like there's a word in the room today um, it's so interesting at this moment you look around the room and you just see God on people in different ways and you see, you see imagery on people in different ways and, and I'm not one to I don't want to call people out and embarrass them but I, I just want to encourage you if that's you, if God has a word right now I would like you to be bold and to share it. That would apply to the, what we're talking about today. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. That's good. Oh, I didn't have anything until he spoke, but then um, I had a pain right across here, like a too tight metal headband that I feel is actually literal for someone that they have uh, such a pain um, of some um, thought or process of their mind or history that it's causing pain. Um, to come, and Jesus wants to take care of that, as it says in Second Corinthians. He'll take every thought captive if you can give it to him, and that doesn't mean when you give it to him, then start processing it again like a squirrel in a maze. Give it to him and let go. That's a good word. <clears throat> Max, could I have you come up here, please? There are some people in here that God is really highlighting to me, and, and, and a lot of it I know just by fact. And these are people that have entered into a fray that has to do with changing 
our, 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 our state and, and our country for the better. And they're deeply involved and it doesn't come without a price. It does not come without a price. The moment you step up and you stand against the woke crowd, oh man, the target gets huge. And, and I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but Bob, could you and Jean come up here, please? Would you mind? And Dee, could, could you and Ron come up here? I'm not sure. <laughs> we'll wait. We'll wait. I so honor you guys. And the fray that you've stepped into hasn't come without a price. Am I right? Yeah, huge price. Huge price. But you know what? You haven't taken your football and went home. I'm sure there was moments you wanted to take your football and go home. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. But we want to pray over you that God's grace would, and his favor, just like Mary, where God just, the angel said, you're highly favored. And I just want to pray that the favor of God would fall upon you guys as you endeavor to do what you know God has called you to do in this coming season. And Ron and uh, both of you guys, I want to speak that over you too. Getting involved in the arenas that you're getting involved in, it costs. It causes physically, spiritually, it, it's big, but your heart is there. Your heart is to make a difference. Your heart is to try to make changes. And again, we're going to pray that the favor of God would pour out on you guys. Amen? Max, you have a heart for this, big time. Yeah, I'm not so much involved in much political circles or any, uh, anything like that, but I am in involved in the uh, arena of opinion. <laughs> and I have this thing that just wants to cut the head off of bad opinions. And uh, I don't know, I, I guess it's that prophetic edge in me. It's like I hate falsehood. I hate injustice. I hate lies and deception that try to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's the work of the enemy. And, and I know that um, these guys, for sure, when they get out there in the front lines and say, ooh, ooh, look at me, you know, they get that big old target on their chest. And uh, some of you others in here, too, you're involved in some degree. And you felt that. You felt that heat, and you kind of went, whoa, I don't know if I want to be a part of that. My, my heart says yes, but my flesh and my soul is going, no way. I know that feeling. I feel that feeling. But I tell you what, it is time to rise and shine, friends. It is time to stand up and say, you know, that's stupid. That's a lie. That's not true. That's a deception. You're in bondage. Let me lead you to the place of freedom. Let me show you a better way. And it's going to be ugly. It's going to be hard. But I passionately believe that that's what God has called us to in this season, to be illuminators of what is true. And the, the political arena is a very, very tough arena to fight in. And you guys, for sure, take a beating. Yeah, so if, if some of some of you uh, leaders, there's some leaders in here, prayer warriors, if you want to come up and lay hands on these guys. That, and, uh, you know, some of you out there, you know, you want to engage in this arena, and you are engaging at some level. Yeah, Robert, for sure, you and your wife, definitely engaging that arena. Um, very difficult arena to engage in. A word came to me before you called them up that God is pouring oil on troubled waters. So, Lord, this is kind of our moment where we just say, you know what? We want to fight. Not for fighting's sake but because you are truth. You are truth. Jesus, you are truth. Your word is truth. Your word is life. 
and every lie and deception and falsehood that comes against what is truth, we stand against that in the name of Jesus. We find our arenas. We find our sphere of influences, those places where we are to take a stand and say, that is a lie, and it will not prosper, not on my watch. We come against it right now in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we pray for Bob and, and uh, Ron and Dee Dee and, and I forgot. <laughs> Jane. Jade. Jade. <laughs> I'm we all mixed up in my mind here and losing names. But, God, we know that you are powerful. <laughs> and I am weak, but you are powerful. So, God, we just I pray right now that you would empower them, that you give them those those inroads, inroads, inroads to make an amazing impact and create a, uh, a new avenue for truth to prevail where there's lies and deception that truth, and pre truth would prevail and wipe out any darkness, wipe out the light, cast out the shadows. Light always eliminates shadows. Shadows don't exist in light. Bless them, God. Bless them, God. And whatever it is they put their hand to, whatever it is you call them to, and the others here that you have that inkling, that drawing within your being, I release you. <laughs> I release you to step into whatever it is, the arena of public opinion, in the name of Jesus. I just want to add to Barb's. I just saw, um, first of all, a release of um, angelic um, coming around you guys, like it, it, like more reinforcements. And I saw also fresh oil being poured out on, on you. And I just heard the words, don't grow weary in well-doing, because in due season you will reap a harvest. To add to that in Barb's word, um, where the oil and the troubled waters. Water and oil don't mix, and oil always rises to the top. So don't grow weary, as Rose said. We'll come out on top. We will come up out on top because we have the Holy Spirit. We can change the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's going to take just little practical things, little practical things led by yeah. the Spirit. Yeah, that's good. And we'll change that's our good. town, our county, our state, our nation in favor of the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a glorious day. If, if you can sign up to help with Friday night, that would be awesome.